0: Expanding our knowledge through those amongst us is a privilege we take for granted. Join me as we explore the minds of our fellow beings to unlock their knowledge for ourselves. It is time for a guest entry, but first, a quick disclaimer. Most of the guests I've had on were recorded through Discord due to us being long distance, if the quality dips is due to my connection, but I hope each of these conversations brings you new knowledge of the creative and cultural arts. From exploring at the core. We now venture out deep into the planar unity, into another multiverse where the association of Ishtar resides. I'd like to welcome a new guest who have had the privilege of joining on his podcast. It's only natural that he comes on here to discuss his stories that take steampunk storytelling to a whole new level. So without further ado, here is Bonsart of Radio Retro Future. Today, I have on Bonzart, an author, historian, producer of an expansive spe- steampunk multiverse called the Association of, of Ishtar, and much more where that came from. Thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Uh, but first, one remark you're uh, roboting. Oh, I'm roboting. Okay, now it seems to be gone.
0: Okay. My, it might be because of yeah, my connection. And also because I'm, I'm a robot in disguise. So, um,
1: Anyway, well, thank you for having me on. <laughs> uh,
0: so my, my focus here for our Thedian Anthologies is on my ever-expanding universe, the Core Realms. This is where our, wor- our works kind of align in the fact that your entire storytelling venture revolves around your own multiverse. If you can, I'd yes. like to know what started you on this venture and how did the association of Ishtar come to be?
1: All right, so that's a a long history. Um, So uh, this year is my 10th year I've been active in steampunk. Um, I started blogging on that topic 10 years ago. Uh, Now, uh, I started Radio Retro Future uh, seven years ago. Um, I think yesterday, officially, I I got a mention from uh, from YouTube. So, hooray. Nice. And, um, yeah, I started... Blogging on the question, what is steampunk, and more importantly, what sets it apart from other forms of geek culture and literature. Mm. And uh, so, I had this blog called Tupperware Steampunk. That was the first uh, one, and uh, yeah, that that eventually grew into my uh, current YouTube channel, Radio Retro Future. And uh, I started making a series that I intended to be like the go-to series when people wanted to learn about steampunk, the steampunk beginner's guide, which is now like nearly twenty episodes, somewhere around that number. And I wanted to, like, again, uh, like, analyze like what makes steampunk different from from other subgenres of science fiction, in particular, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that led to a number of questions regarding, um, well, you know, making steampunk characters, uh, writing steampunk settings, but I wasn't a writer myself. Like I dabbled in writing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in Dutch, I kind of like wrote a sci-fi fantasy I wanted to write. I made the mistake of starting with a book, of course, like many <laughs> aspiring writers yeah. do, Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but I, I uh, quickly learned that it was more productive for me to write short stories. I learned more from doing that, um, and uh, yeah, that kind of in parallel to my series, I should say. Um, I was also doing my costume group, and we came up with a Ragtag, the 113th Ragtag, the Regiment Engrandis Grenadiers Tactical Assault Group. Mm. And the idea behind it was originally that there were all these steampunks uh, on the fairs. So we don't, we didn't really have a convention culture at that point in the Netherlands, and they all had like these big guns, and uh, they had no opponents. So we kind of like created the uh, <laughs> like their opponents, basically. Hmm. Uh, eventually, we also started doing kids activities. Um, and one of them was a storm course. Uh, one of our uh, members uh, was a, a World War II enthusiasts, and they have like all just decor, like dragons' teeth, nice. uh, constatinas, you know, the rounded barbed wire, yeah, uh, sandbags, and all that stuff. So we built a whole parkour out of that with nerve guns. So we'd be shooting <laughs> kids, and they'd be shooting at us. That sounds like and, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, also exhausting, and, uh, yeah, and that that kind of, like, led to this invention called the Paradox Engine, which allowed the uh, soldiers of the Ragtags to come back alive again every time, <laughs> so they became, like, these video game characters yeah. uh, in their own lore, so to speak, and, uh yeah. And then that kind of led to the whole multiverse idea because it was the idea that these 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 soldiers would respond by teleporting versions of themselves from somewhere in a multiverse and and be replaced by their another version of themselves basically and be completely brainwashed and and be turned into a ragtag. That's the idea. Yeah. And that that kind of like turned out this world of the the, the multiverse essentially. But um, I never got around to actually writing out the lore, and meanwhile, I was working on the Steampunk Beginners Guide with the character of Dankard Lexicon mm. uh, that I do in the in, in my series, which is the, the narrator or well, whatever you want to call him. And he originated from my old blog, Top of Bear Steampunk, and I wanted to do. I, I I was doing research, so I was doing interviews with people active in Steampunk, like what inspired them, like what is the source of steampunk, mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, saying, oh, uh, Jules Verne is steampunk, you know, which makes no sense. Yeah, like, um,
0: not not focusing on a specific writer or author, but focusing on the entire genre in, in general, and finding, like, all yeah, of the different people, yeah, well, how
1: of the, it all one of the that, works together. Yeah, well, one of the things that annoyed me most about the discussion about steampunk, like... It's it, that that using words such as steampunk is projection. I I originally actually posted a a blog on mine's about this and why I think the, the whole edition of punk is actually quite terrible for literature. <laughs> um, but that's a, a different discussion. Um, but, you know, there, there was like, um, oh, well, uh, you know, all these writers are st- are steampunk. This is steampunk. That is steampunk. You know, uh, a box with a gear glued on it is, is steampunk. That's why I called my first block Tupperware steampunk because, like, everything could be steampunk. You know, you wanted it. To, to <laughs> as long as be, you put basically. a gear on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, not even that. It was kind of like the the the, the, the problem I was trying to solve, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. So the, the the creation of Dankard Lexicon, the people started to immediately conflate Dankard Lexicon with ragtag, because uh, mm. that's how humans are. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah. So so you know, Dankard Lexicon is ragtag now um people still call us ragtag even though <laughs> you know, we have not really done anything with the concept for years now um but you know people really like that idea of you know you a group of uniformed soldiers you know and doing the kids activities and stuff uh that, that really left a, a big impression on the convention scene here in the netherlands um But, uh, yeah, I mean, so the the conventions kind of, like, died away, Uh, you know, the the Voldemort virus came about, Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that kind of, like, spearheaded my attempt to start writing again, and I was, like, looking for a concept that would, like... Because, uh, you know, one of the things that that steampunks really seem to be into and and, and role players and that type of people is really building worlds. So the idea was, okay, a multiverse that has multiple worlds and, you know, characters from these different worlds could meet each other and play that out. So that's kind of like where that whole idea came from. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I was like, well, I need a, you know, uh, a first story because, like I said, with the whole book thing, I'm against... You know people starting with building a uh, building a world and then eventually uh, years down the line they s- finally start making stories and and I already knew at that moment that that was not gonna gonna work you know I wanted to be read so and and people generally don't care about your world concept so um I started with uh, the same friend I mentioned who was into World War two reenactment, yeah. Um, he also did uh, home radio stuff, and uh, when we were younger, we he w- he, would, he would we would sit behind his home radio set, and we would go after number stations, um, which is the uh, Secret Service way of communicating yeah. with age in the field. And um, you know that that for some reason that I always had this weird fascination for old radios when you would be sitting in the car and you know you were bored or you know you wanted some distraction you turn on the radio uh, i mean now everything is like pre-programmed and one push of a button and you're to a next radio channel but yeah. when i was growing yeah, up I you know you had to like manually dial shit. those things and you would hear all these strange noises coming over the radio so i had this weird fascination with it um i think uh one of the characters from Deadwood said it best, voices uh, coming from nowhere, Mm -hmm. Um, that idea. And that kind of led into the creation of a character called the Call Girl, who is this assassin, this multidimensional assassin, hunting uh, the protagonists. And those protagonists then became the associates of Ishtar. Mm. But because it had to be related to the numbers that she was speaking out, the associates of Ishtar all got numbers Mm -hmm. to Kind of fit with that story, and um, you know it all. That's that's how the whole series started with that one short story, and the explanation for numbers is based on on, on that concept. And uh, yeah, that that finally led to my first book, uh, which is the wrench in the machine that has the call girl as the antagonist. And uh, yeah,
0: and when when did you publish the wrench
1: in the machine? Uh, last year, September. Okay.
0: And, and and people can find it on on Amazon and and your your website yeah. Uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Instagram. can order
1: it. Uh, you can email. I have my email on the store page right now because those store modules cost money. But uh, people can uh, email me, and I will send it to them. You know, including the eBooks. In which case, I will also add some more digital content with that. Mm-hmm. Um and uh continuing with that soon we'll also have a coloring book on kickstarter yeah that, and, uh, and you
0: have some pretty good artists i well, one of them uh, neutron bore is one that i yeah. i commission as well for uh, character yeah. art for like this podcast specifically for many of my of my mm-hmm. audience members will, will know the character art for each uh reborn and power trilogy that i have for each saga i basically use mm-hmm. neutron Boar, who is an awesome yeah. artist on minds um yeah, yeah. And uh
1: uh yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I am I think I met him on mine. I'm not entirely sure if that's where I met him, but I, I think so. Uh yeah, and uh, he did two pieces of art of mine. Uh one was associate 321 who's a character in the book and uh, another one uh which is oh yeah, subject uh, 09, uh which is a character I hope to do more with in the future. Mhm. So you you also
0: have a full catalog of content like uh, not only found on YouTube but also on your own storytelling blog. Uh, between yep. between the videos and the written entries, how do you tie the narrative threads between the two? Do you put more emphasis on one more than the other, or are there different methods you take for each medium? Uh, the
1: the the video uh, the videos are actually uh, versions of. Uh, video versions of the short stories on okay. the website with the exception of the arcology one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the arcology video was made because of our camp. Um, or, or, or you know, we have this decor and I kind of like wanted to have like an introduction to that world. So people could watch the video and we, we'd also, I also wanted to experiment with collaborating with artists and mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Some volunteers, uh, some, uh, I paid, um, so, and uh, yeah, we also uh, got acquainted with a professional photographer, Martijn Hogebohm. And he also made a lot of uh, photos for us uh, with uh, some friends of his. Uh, some beautiful photos that are included in the video, which mm-hmm. we're really proud of. I still post them to this day. And yeah, and so but it was also, again, to bring that world to life. And yeah, I, I, I hope to, that the problem is mostly time. I'm a one man team, so to speak. Yeah, I, so, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping to find more people to do. Uh, but uh, that brings me into something that was proposed to me today. Um, there was a new streaming service called Subgenres. It uh, wants to promote uh, all manner of indie content, including YouTubers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're currently working on uh, a series of uh, alternative music, a lot of ste- it will include a lot of steampunk bands and uh, yeah, but they're also looking for other um, content. Uh, so if you are an indie creator on YouTube or you make audiobooks or something, uh, they might be interested in that. Uh, but to get to the point, um, she proposed to me today. Uh, I announced a writing challenge mm-hmm. uh, this month, uh, which is the deadline first of May. Uh, rules are on the blog, and uh, yeah, she proposed. Well, can we like make the, the the best two stories? Can we turn them into short films for a streaming service? Um, that would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. But uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I think this is uh, the, this this uh, this challenge is a tryout, yeah, uh, for me. Yeah, so, it, it's more about
0: um, about trying to get other people to start creating like con- content yeah. inside your universe, right? Kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's short, it's uh, to the point, and two thousand word limits. Uh, for that reason, uh, you know, just see how that will work out. See if people enjoy it, and then they will even participate in, uh, for that count. So we'll see. I mean, a number of people said they would, but if they will, that's all. their story, we'll <laughs> see what happens. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's. I suggested to her, well, can we start with, like, two of the existing stories instead? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, she said, well, we will chat about it this week, so we'll see um, how it will turn out and, and how she wants to do that. Because uh, I, I definitely will be open for it. Um, I was thinking of doing like a, an audio drama with multiple voice actors, and uh, you know, have have characters discuss the universe, so to speak. Uh, kind of like I guess, uh, like like if, have like what if the emperor
0: like interviews or yeah. something with different characters throughout it or something.
1: Yeah, well, or, or rather characters discussing. Uh, Particular topics with one another.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, maybe a fish out of water character getting acquainted with the association. Uh, a bit more lighthearted, a bit more on the humorous, comedic, mm-hmm. comedic side. That, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see because, again, I'm a one man team and uh, coordinating voice actors, writing, and editing. Um, That's a full like, production. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like my 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 issue like, yeah, I have all these ideas that I want to do, but uh you have you have voice actors that you that you work with too, right? uh yeah, uh, incidentally, um like for the the we I, on my second channel, uh, the retro Future research Foundation, I did a video together with uh, people of the guns of Icarus community, which is a kind of like steampunk themed, uh, airship battle game. Mm. Quite fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we, I made a video with uh, members of their community as voice actors and, uh, some, some members of the steampunk community do costuming. Um, and you know, I mostly edited videos and I mean, I, I'm very proud of that video, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of work, and I said to those guys, uh, well, you know, I would love to make another one. However, I also had to write the lore, because it's one of those... Well, like like I said, you know, people love building their worlds, but they don't have any stories set in them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're a writer, you get, like, all these notes, and you're like, there's nothing here. You know, it's just, you know, facts and statements, and... But there is no no lore. It's, it's, you know, things that are in the writer's head, but, you know, it's not formalized in any story. So it's, you know, what, what information do you pick and choose? But, um, you know, when, when somebody comes to you with an idea for, let's say, a city, you know, um, they will tell you about, oh, I've got a city, and I want this in there and that in there, and then ask them, okay, Imagine I'm a character in that city, and I wake up. What do I see? Yeah. And the answer will be crickets, you know. (laughs) You know, okay, well, next question. I get up, I'm hungry, where do I do groceries? And again, crickets, because they they have not you know and, and that's the things you think about when you actually start writing your stories you know your character goes into the street well what does he see yeah. you know you you, you well, want to was... be able to
0: paint the picture of like what what a character is actually envisioning and their surrounding their surrounding environment um you yeah. know yeah, like, you use this, you use the senses that that the character has in order to describe each like a, a, everywhere around you because that's how that's how we are able to see reality
1: itself yeah yeah i mean i describe role building as characters interacting with their environment for that reason mm-hmm. and um you no, know, especially that interaction so you know it's not you describing a street it's you know actually the characters doing something in that street uh, that makes it come alive and yeah, and, and, and that's that's like the, the problem I had with that project. It was like I, I got all these notes and all these things. And it's like, well, it's statements and, and people's. And it's like cliff notes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things you put on a website. Like, well, this is that that people. It's, and as a writer, you're like, I, I cannot do anything with this. So I had to write that whole damn story um, from beginning to end and and trying to imagine, you know, where do... The- come from how are they organized how are these fleets organized i had to make up a whole pirate faction you know how are they work why did they do what they do and all that stuff yeah so and i'm, I'm proud of the result but i'm like i that, could be doing this for my own yeah that's extra that's extra stuff <laughs> yeah like i could be doing this for my own and that's also the problem why i proofread so little it's like well yeah, I, I would love to help you, but it's it's it all detracts from my own stuff and my own work and mm-hmm. time and energy uh, to do. You know, my I have my own editing to do, and uh, yeah. So uh, also, you you were
0: talking about the the writing challenge you do. Uh, how might yeah. a, how might a writer begin a story inside your universe and? Are there specific avenues that they can take to allow for like creative freedom without destroying the foundational lore that you've developed?
1: Um, yeah, well, the, the, I, I created a blog. I think I linked it on the page where the challenge uh, is on as well. Okay. Uh, that, that sets out some rules. Uh, I mean, the best way to... To start is, well, read one one or two of the short stories. Mm -hmm. That would be a good start. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, For the challenge, um, I also uh, uh, set as a rule, you know, you start the story with esteemed members of the chair. So I already gave them kind of like a uh, going in point. The Um, the, the intro. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, kind of an intro, you know, esteemed members of the chair and, well you go from there, essentially. Um, yeah, so there there are, like I said, I, I built it, um, I made it a multiverse with the intention that people can, you know, go on and create their own world side of it. Yeah. And uh, there is one particular rule that's very important, which is um, that there is this phenomenon called Traveler's Bane, which, uh, if a person or object is away from its plane of origin, as these worlds are called by the association, mm-hmm. um, they are destroyed. Uh, humans get sick, items start to corrode and, 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 and break down. Um, and they don't know why this is, it's a, it's a big mystery. Mm. And uh, they, they, there are some measures to counter that. Um, but they are extremely rare. So, for, for example, if, if a character from my universe
0: were to, like, end up, up appearing inside your universe, they would start getting sick kind of thing?
1: Uh, after uh, about a period of 40 days, okay. give or take, yes. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so. And they, they literally start far apart um, the current book i'm working on uh the character is confronted with the consequences of going through that experience Mm. um so yeah the 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 effects are quite significant um and so that's that's a major rule so the idea is that you know you cannot go in with your 21st century army into a stone age world and and just conquer it (laughs) yeah So that's that's kind of like the idea behind it or, you know, have characters that, you know, have like all this super advanced technology from all, this, all these other worlds and, you know, they are completely unbeatable anime-esque characters going through your cosmic horror stuff. Um, I mean, when it comes to like real rules for like the exact world building, like, of course, the home world of the association has very particular rules where... Uh, it's, it's currently, like, somewhere in the 1870s, most stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I communicate with my artists, I say, well, the characters need to look, uh, like, uh, 80% historically correct. Mm. And um, so the idea is that they are, like, 18 historically 1870. However, their technology is about 1920s. Mm. true to um stuff that uh, that that occurs um you know it's, it's one way of explaining why there are for example radios so they yeah. can do audio interviews and stuff like that so that's again that that, that all combines with the whole call girl story that's where it that all comes from mm. and mm. yeah i mean yeah it is reading like uh, if you have questions you can always uh, talk to me um I uh, did at one point start with kind of like a manual for associates. Uh, like one important rule for the associates is that they are a organization of volunteers and they do not follow orders. Mm. Uh, orders, English. Um, so that's a very important. It's more of a philo- philosophical rule, but. Um, and and the, what the. Uh, the
0: what is the main point no. of of the associates i like, will like what do they specifically go to
1: do? yeah uh that's a good question so like i said they are a volunteer organization this is very important they do not follow orders they are completely independent they don't even follow orders from their own organization mm-hmm. they they are an association in the true sense of the word mm-hmm. and um their job uh, I currently started working on a story where they are discussing this with an outside party uh is that their mission is to protect their world from mostly outside influences but also from parties who seek to use outside technology to uh, benefit their own uh for their own benefit mm-hmm. okay. so it's 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 quite... Uh, in in a in a way, it's they have a quite xenophobic uh, position in that regard. Mm. Um, however, they fight threats both uh, within and without, and uh, like their their mission is to protect their world, and it's it's not to go out and conquer other worlds. They go out and explore other worlds to serve f- for defensive purposes. Mm. So. Um, you know, when when somebody would come to them, oh uh, yeah, help us! You know, destroy this party over there. And it's like, are they a threat? Well, if the answer is no, then they will not cooperate because it, it goes, you know, they have this this very, um, they they have they, got like re- they really set their limits to what they are allowed to do. Um, however, um, when they say we're defending our world, it also includes you know uh, you know against people they deem too incompetent to do that task. So in some situations they'll ask, um, I have yet to write such a story, but I intend to where they really act as inquisitors uh, going against their so called employers. Um, Like they, they, their official position is that they are advisors. That is how they describe themselves to outside parties. So we're, we're advising local authorities to deal with this problem. (laughs) Uh, You know, they don't tell you that they go out to other worlds to, you know, discover this information, what they need to develop these countermeasures. Or, you know, that they'll take out an officer if he refuses to do do his job properly. Um, So there's a lot of cloak and dagger stuff going on there, and it can be very pragmatic. Um, I added one um, story already, P-25, which is exploring their relationship with other parties, which is in this particular case, RAW, which is the uh, board of Rift-related activities. Uh, They are um, a kind of NATO-esque organization when it comes to, well, Rift-related activity. And and Um, Rift-related
0: activity is, is
1: specifically what? Oh, yeah, right. I did not tell about the Rift yet. So there's this multiverse and the gates to other worlds are called rifts okay and uh you know man, many of these rifts go to worlds that are there may not even be humans they are several worlds so to speak uh but they might be two worlds that have like primitive civilizations There might be worlds that have very advanced civilizations mm. and one of the, the but there can also be you know tears or rifts going into well the more unnameable domains so to speak yeah. um and one of the things that happened in this world's history is Napoleon um, who started bombing England uh, with a version of the v2 rocket and uh, this this kind of like made the Allies wonder where the hell did find all this where does this technology come from mm-hmm. um, now how the association really came to be is unknown uh, at this point. Um, I started writing stories that kind of like explore like where, where their past might be come coming from. Yeah, like well, you, you uh, want to kind of uh, leave it
0: up to like, uh, just like the mystery aspect of it, you you give like different different points. Like, oh, this might be where it came from. This might be where it came from, but kind of yeah, leave it in yeah. the air.
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those questions. Like, uh, you know, the question is interesting, but the answer is a bit mm-hmm. uh, kind of yeah. deal. So. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, so, yeah, you, you want to, uh, but it also allows you a lot of freedom to connect certain short stories, uh, with others. Uh, but before I go on, like, is the story about the rifts clear before I go on another... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, so, like,
0: Rifts are basically your way of, of going to different worlds throughout your multiverse kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. and then the problem is that it's a two-way connection, so... So, um, both worlds can intertwine with, with one another. Yeah, 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 and the the, the particular dilemma that the Association of faces is that on their world, there is an exceptional amount of Rifts opening. Oh, okay. Like, so Usually, like, a world uh, has like maybe a couple rifts, and but for some reason, uh, the world of the Association of Ishtar's world is like a sieve, okay? So, so really, and, and,
0: and the association is on arcology, that's that's the main world, right? Or that, uh, that's a city, no, that's the, a city.
1: Um, the uh, association discovered arcology, okay? Um yeah, the, the, so the Arcology is uh, a bit interesting in that regard. It's a very unique place in the multiverse, uh, but people really, readers and, and people we talk to, uh, really enjoy the concept of Arcology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll probably do a couple of challenges in the future related to that. Um, but it is uh, like the origins of it are unknown. Um, okay. So when you are visiting World of Atlas... You'll notice a bell-shaped object floating in the sky, and this object reappeared because they have evidence that it it, it, you, it had always been there, but it reappeared somewhere in the in the 18th century
0: mm.
1: before the French Revolution. And um, so, you know, so that was a a, a big uh, a big like what the hell it just happened. Uh, and yeah, ever since then, of course, uh, people have been trying to get there and then see what this Elysium object, as it is called, is, you know, some believe it's the lost city of Atlantis and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, insert your random conspiracy theory there. But it's in the sky? and well, it, it looks like it's in the sky, but actually, uh, the world of Atlas has like this strange window into this 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 pocket dimension, mm, uh, okay. which is called the von Straubfield. field, and uh, yeah, the the association uh, in collaboration with uh, an old ally of Napoleon who developed the um uh, the the rockets. Uh, they manage to get there. Uh, of course, they crash because, you know, it's its its own universe. So, oops, <laughs> gravity. Um, and uh, this uh, this is uh, described in the Arcology Reports, which is on the website. Yeah.
0: yeah, And,
1: yeah, they, are, they discover uh, the city of Arcology inside of this object. So, it's a domed city, so to speak. And uh, the next book also takes place there, where I fully explore, like, all the people who go there who, um, for those who want to know, there is a story called P twelve. It's called the White Zeppelin, and that White Zeppelin is some type of elder being or constructs, yeah, something some kind like, like
0: that. Cosmic, cosmic being, like like
1: a cosmic horror or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, there is a video of it. Uh, art probably one of the highest rated stories on the of the Association right now uh, and one of the artists said oh, you know if I want to make a comic for this series I want I want to do that one so maybe mm. that will uh, will happen um, I don't know yet but uh, yeah so that that white Zeppelin delivers refugees from worlds that have been destroyed mm. so this whole city is, is flooding with with interdimensional refugees so to speak from all these lost civilizations um, so it's also a city that is filled with people who don't speak each other's language and uh, it has all these vestiges of all these worlds religions and, and cultures that no longer exist mm-hmm. uh, and it's also surrounded by cosmic horrors that also live inside the Elysium object. Uh, for that reason, the inhabitants also call that place Hades. So, mm. there you go, and that's where the next book is uh, going to take place. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I'm I'm still very hard at work uh, world building that, um, and and on what life is like inside there.
0: And they they also have like a bunch of I I remember listening to, to P12 uh, B- and that it has like there, there's a bunch of contingencies. For eat for the cosmic, the um, abominations that come in, uh, can you explain a few of those uh, of, of like a few of the problems that that face archeology and how uh, like what significance what was the significance of them in, in the wider scope of like of of the the universe?
1: Um, so uh, one of the be uh, Dankard Lexicum himself. So yes, uh, Radio Retro Future is inside there. Uh, I think it is subject eleven in the in the stories, uh, which is uh, Radio Retro Future, and Dankard Lexicon is like S eleven um, one, who is running that place, mm. and it's it basically sends these broadcasts into the multiverse. Uh, which uh, can be uh, received if radios have a particular signal uh, crystal, receiver crystal in there, mm. um, and uh, yeah. But his main uh, source of income is that he is a insurance broker. <laughs> he insures world histories. Oh, so if you know that your world is facing a cataclysmic calamity, uh, sure you it. can get <laughs> that history in short uh, <laughs> and make sure it doesn't get lost. So, you know, something remains. That's, um, that's definitely something that should should
0: have been inside inside my lore before I, I end up completely wiping everyone's mem- memories of
1: full history. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, Got- that, that's actually a very interesting concept now you say it. Well, um, <laughs> oh. I definitely need to do something with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: it, uh, it it helps it helps wipe away sixteen thousand years of of lore that I don't have to write anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no. If 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 there is a people in the world whose whose uh, minds get erased, like in Storm, this happens. Uh, I don't know if you know that uh, comic. Mm. Um, but Yeah, the whole of humanity gets, like, conquered by an alien race, and then they they, they, they they instead of genociding humans, they wipe their minds. So they're back into the Stone Age. Um, oh, geez. But, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, then yeah. Storm comes by, and, you know, he, he you know, <laughs> gives them the, the technology and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so that that's definitely a story that, that uh we can write. And um yeah, so that's that's that character, Dan Collection, he's the founder of arcology. Uh what he why or how uh, is yet unknown. Um however um yeah, no, I'm not going to spoil the next book. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, the the, the, the for for the, the the great dilemma for the for the scavengers and then the kids who live inside that city is that uh, you know the city is never changing. It's it only changes by the by the kibble that that keeps flowing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these people who, who have no idea where they're ending up. I mean, a lot of these people don't have not even seen the wheel before they end up in Arcology, You know? Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things that we take for granted. You yeah, know? yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of these these people they they are, I mean, they are very good against the um, uh, against the, the the creatures who live there because there are very experienced hunters who can do a lot with very improvised weapons, so to speak. Um, so that's a thing. But you know, you've got like people from futuristic societies uh, societies in that city, and like you know like literal cave dwellers um that, that'd and, be you know,
0: a very k- chaotic place
1: yeah yeah no i mean exactly so it's but you know humans are vain, very uh, uh intuitive and adaptive i mean and so it's it's yeah. a, it's a, one end it's a, like a, a horrible place But on the other end it's like this place where you know humans still can thrive yeah. Among, you know, all these problems and, and you know, they, they manage to make the environment, which consists, you know, of these ecosystems that, you know, it's a very competitive ecosystem in there, even for the plants. So <laughs> there, this is actually a, a thing that's happening in P25, where uh, the association is fighting with RAW ah That was what I was telling about. And um, like they discover a vaccine for cancer. Oh, in in span Really? Yeah, which is, uh, yeah, and uh, it's it's made of various plants that grow there, which are in abundance there. Uh, and they're like, well, can't we not just, you know, import these plants, you know, so we can have, like, an anti-cancer vaccine? Like, we've got uh, this, these problems with outsiders, as these in, invading creatures are called on Atlas. And, uh, you know, one of them turned out to be highly radioactive. And now, you know, we've got a leukemia outbreak in a city. So they're like, you know, can, can we not import these uh, plants? And the association says no. The reason why not? Well, they're growing in arcology. So if they can survive in arcology, can you imagine what they'll do to Earth's ecosystem if they they get free? Yeah, So. So the association uh, it might be good is, for uh, for one ne-
0: group of people but it would be very very bad for another.
1: Well that that's also uh, you know that they say you know like okay so you want us to believe you're gonna distribute this cancer met- uh, this cancer vaccine to everyone in the world Yeah so uh the association says no and if the uh if raw which is a very powerful organization in this world uh, still insists to do so then uh, you know the association makes clear we will goddamn destroy you because you are allies you're not our employers or, or masters or anything mm-hmm. because again the association does not follow orders and um, so that's where that philosophy becomes very important um and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's things I explore story by story, uh, you know, that's, that's a central part of, you know, my world building, how I see world building. How, and, um, how do
0: you handle morality? Like, is, is there, is there a specific like, like organization inside your world that is like the good and then the bad, like, like the Jedi versus the Sith kind of thing? Or do you, or do you really make it very nuanced in perspective?
1: Well, I, I explore it story by story, and it also depends on the characters. Like, I don't really have a main character in the in the short stories. They're all, I mean, I have recurring characters. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last story I started, I decided to make a character uh, recur uh, because he had a certain experience that's relevant, mm-hmm. and. But, um, I mean, yeah, I I mostly judge the the moral from the perspective of the characters. Like, there are, uh, you know, uh, associates who are called lost numbers. They are basically the associates who, you know, did not follow the principles of the association Mm. by, for example, aiding outside parties. Um, you know, let's say that they aided a national government or something, or a rebellious, you know, uh, anarchists, so to speak. You know, whatever. Uh, they are deemed lost numbers, and they uh, will be hunted down. Uh, this character is actually this is actually described in the first book, The Wrench in the Machine, where there is a character called Mister Lotto who is basically, he's not an associate, uh, because the associates do have a certain distaste to kill other associates. Mm. Uh, so they have this assassin called Mr. Lotto, uh, who does it for them, essentially. Gun for hire. Um, yeah, kind of. Uh, and yeah, Mr. Lotto also has a particular uh, philosophy to what he's doing. Um, you know, and, you know, Sketchfish, of course, your number is up, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there, I mean, there are a lot of gray areas. Uh, like I said, the, the, the goals of the association are very narrow when it comes to where we're here to defend our world. You know, that's our mission that we do voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do not expect to get anything in return. Uh, and those who do seek to use whatever we find for their own gain, uh, well, we destroy any party that breaks, you know, um, that uh, does so, let's say a national government starts trying to use certain technology uh, for their own gain, uh, the association will interfere with that, mm-hmm. um, even if RAW does not like it. Yeah. Um, then again, RAW is kind of like a supervisor in that regard because they do have like uh, accords that say that they're not allowed to do so. So raw kind of like supervises that, although it's, it's more like the, the 19th century concert system to ensure that no nation becomes more powerful than the other. So there's a lot of pragmatism and politics going on there. So just so, like Nasty. That's always fun. The actual NATO. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. So and then I'm, I'm building it out like story by story um and uh see where it goes and, and and sometimes i i get to a dilemma and i'm not like sure where i want to take it so i let the story rest for a while until the solution hits me and then i work continue on, from there work on other projects in the meantime mhm yeah i've got like a whole folder with god knows how many um Ideas! I'm so happy I, I found Scrivener, uh, which allows <laughs> me to order all these ideas in, into a single document. So, you know, last uh, yesterday, um, I happened to be browsing like all these ideas, and I are like, "What? What was this idea again? And what was that idea? <laughs> I mean, when did I come up with this?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I know that.
0: I know that feeling, especially when you when you're trying to like you're you're building an entire like multiverse on like on different levels uh, all by yourself and you're trying to make sure that there's some continuity between, between all different stories that you're writing. That's how how do you usually handle that with like the, the, like, like continuity er errors. If, if one appears in one story, do you, do you have to go back and edit it, edit it or, or do you, do you try to
1: find a way to Uh, kind of weave it through? I I, I play play pretty loose with the canon in that regard. Um, like every story, kind of like explore something else. Uh, like I said, I have recurring characters, but you know, no overall protagonists. Um, and I, I really write them as, as as separate stories. With and now I'm getting at the at the point that I am combining various things. Yeah, um, which is the fun part of it, because it, you it, know, it I, is very I fun. every. every, every yeah, yeah. I, I left a lot of things, like, pretty open. Like, when I write a story, I write them to be, you no know, stories in their own right. However, um, when I allude to other things, it's like, well, you need to know this, but you don't need to know the details about it mm-hmm. to, to, to enjoy this story. So there's a lot of open threads or or things that can be explored at another time you know that's how I write a lot of stories like oh I've got this this faction here you know I I need a particular faction this is how I came up with for example special committee uh, entomologists which are uh, in truth uh, the code name they use for uh, the French penal legion and I, I had, like, this, this idea for a experimental army that was also expendable. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I, I kept referring to them, but I had no idea what they were like or how they operated. And that eventually led into the story that I included with my first comic, The Call Girl, uh, which is uh, called Lights in the Dark, which is about a pilot in the uh, French Imperial Penal Legion. And she's controlling a robot which they call Chassida de bataille they're French mm. and uh, yeah, people really dig that um, dig that story and uh, I also got this great art for it uh, by uh, one of the original battletech artists, uh Eldon Crowder, mm. um, which is a great piece of work, and I'm uh, really proud of having um. But yeah, you know, it's like I leave a lot of things open for it to be explored uh, in their own stories, yeah. and so it's, it's I've got like one story, and that that connects then to three later stories. So they they build upon each other, um, and so the continuity comes from from that process uh, rather than um, you know I'm, I'm writing a parallel story and. I refer randomly to something else, and you know that doesn't make sense. I mean, when when the when I wrote the wrench in the machine, I started actually connecting various stories in a in a greater narrative. That's essentially what the wrench in the machine is. It's it's like you know, could these various entries in the short stories can these be like put into a singular story? And that yeah. also led to um, the character of Igraine, who's one of the main characters, one of the well, what are the one of the viewpoint characters in the book, uh, who was originally S-06. Mm-hmm. And um, she is a girl from a very advanced society. However, in their society, they're taught that technology is magical. So she actually looks like an Artico little witch when she comes here. Yeah. Um I got that nice hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If an Art Deco like wearing 20s hats, yeah. that's right? And uh yeah, she is uh you know, and this is my commentary on Clark Tech and Steampunk. So, yeah. Um and uh yeah, so she she became like I I needed because the wrench in the machine is really re- uh, written for people who are completely new to the whole Association of Ishtar concept. So the character had to be a fish out of water, uh, someone who has no knowledge of the multiverse uh, or um, uh, the Association of Ishtar. And yeah, so it's the whole world is seen from his perspective. And, you know, oh, he, well, he had heard of the Association of Ishtar, but he thought they were like kind of like the Freemasons or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> And um yeah, so that's kind of like the, the, the perspective of that book. And you know, the, the reader learned about the multiverse and the implications for that world through his eyes. Um and Igrain is introduced as kind of like uh, you know, his his gateway to that world. She explains you know what's happening. Um I also mentioned uh Trevor's Decay. Uh, which she is suffering from uh, due to her own actions. Um, and then she's in the second book. She's well experienced the consequences of that. And uh, yeah. And it, so it, it, it was funny because when I wrote the story of, of uh, Zero 6 she cannot go, go home again. It was really just this high concept of a character. Um, however, it's a quite emotional story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it's really about this this girl that is forsaken, uh, that sacrificed essentially because he made us made a mistake, a big mistake, but still. And yeah, that that leads to. Uh, however, she's also a pathological liar in that story, oh. <laughs> so the association also has to deal with that. And of course, they also have to deal with the fact that you know they they want to send her back. Um. However, they, they need to maintain worldview that, you know, technolo- technology is magical and she's not allowed to come in contact with, you know, any other ideas. So, you know, she, she's driving their scientists up the walls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when she helps them for example reverse engineer technology for example wow. you know and it needs to be done in this you know and then she'll make like a, a, a I don't know uh, like a print board but it must be pentagram shaped or something stupid like that oh yeah so <laughs> you know so because to her though those are ley lines and they need to arrange you know to- North to south, or something, you know, st- things like that. <laughs> uh, I have not yet explored the world where she came from herself. I'm, I'm, I'm still contemplating what that experience would be like. But uh, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting when I actually start working on that.
0: Uh, so how many, how many, uh, how many books are you writing currently?
1: Um, well, currently just the one. Just one. Um, is
0: like, that is that a continuation uh, yeah. of the wrench in the machine?
1: Uh, yes, but it's in in essence, it's a standalone story with some references to the wrench in the machine. Okay. Okay. Um, a matter of fact, uh, the idea is that we see a future Igraine at the beginning of the story, uh, where she has become a associate. Um, mm-hmm. However, she is well. She she represents the most stern, most. Um, what's the word? The most. Um, um, well, uh, the scene represents a very dark aspect about the association. Mm. Uh, where she'll say things. Well, our job is not to protect people. Our job is to protect this world. So you you get this. Uh, uh, she's a consequentialist yes. in, in that in that scene. Yeah. Where the, the ends justify the means and uh, yeah this this aggravates a lot of uh, people uh and she is uh, called to the raw headquarters and there we see will Mies, uh, alboro from the the main character of the first book mm. and there she basically starts telling the story of her experience in arcology and uh you know her her yeah her growing up there and then learning to be responsible and, and, and that kind of kind of thing. Um, um, well, I, I, I'm still struggling a bit to uh, get to the point where she becomes like a consequentialist. Yeah. Um, but uh, th- th- that might actually be something for another book uh, where that, that that final piece falls into place because this really is about her life and then getting acquainted with being responsible for other people uh, and, and and stuff like that
0: yeah like so it's like try, trying to figure out a character a character's motive motivations before they've actually even gotten there in the first place yeah
1: yeah yeah I mean it's also for people who um, because I get a lot of people asking like oh uh, you know uh, about arcology people are very enthused about arcology i mean many I, I get the idea that many people wouldn't mind if everything happened in arcology <laughs> uh, in that regard yeah um and yeah. uh yeah and so it, it re, that book really is an exploration of what is life like uh, for the people there uh, as seen from somebody who is uh what they call a totalk um a, a, a tourist Mm. essentially, who yeah. comes there just so they can leave again, because everyone else is stuck there, uh, because of, well, Travelers the Gay, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, they, they, these are people that they, they have nowhere to go. If, if arcology is destroyed for whatever reason, that's it. Um, you know, there's, there's literally nowhere in the multiverse for them to go. So, uh, and and yeah, and, and we see that through her eyes, and also you know, what, what makes her different from the people who are stuck there. Uh, so, yeah, it's quite an exploration. It's also why it, it's quite a struggle to, to you know, what, 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 what would this look like? What would that look like? Because everything is alien. And uh, it's, it, it's almost more science fiction than steampunk in that regard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it, it has the themes of steampunk. and when it comes to arcology, um, I mean, I, I did create it to kind of like create a kind of like a parody of the steampunk community in that regard, um, which is a, a strange assortment of pop culture and, uh, and history. So there's that element as well. It's also the explanation for why there are so many lovecraftian horrors surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the idea of being outsiders, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what the question was, but. Uh.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, we were on a big tangent there. And I think that I honestly, I think that that was a good place to stop too. Um Do you, okay. do you have any? Like, go ahead and name off all, all the places that people can find you all, all your all your books
1: and, and all that stuff, too. Uh, yeah, so people can find me on Radio Retro Future on YouTube. Uh, we also have a website, the theassociationofishtar.com. Uh, there is a Radio Retro Future.com, but I, I don't really do anything with that. Um, so what else? You can find me as sponsored vocal or Radio Retro Future on various platforms. I really should um, get all those names straight. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Minds, of course. Uh, and various other places and uh, yeah my ebook is sold on most platforms uh the physical copy you can only get at amazon uh i think uh but you can also order it straight uh from me uh, by sending me an email that's uh, on the website
0: and And the the coloring um, book too is that out Sorry? yet? Is is the coloring book
1: out yet? The the, the coloring book, uh, no, not yet. I wanna start a, a Kickstarter for that on my birthday. That's uh, the second of June. Oh, nice. Um, then that uh, then that will go live. Uh, is the intent at least? So I'm curious when uh, that will come out. Uh, I hope to have miniatures after this week mm-hmm. uh, of the call girl and one of the associates. Uh, in the book, and uh, if people would buy some of those, uh, I might make more models uh, eventually. Um, my hope is to have a game in a couple of years. I'm asking around uh, for game devs or people who'd like to help with that. What, what kind of game um, are you
0: specifically trying to make?
1: Um, ideally, I would want one game that is Fairly simple, so anyone can just play it. Uh, You know, something small, like a card game. Okay. You know, something I can easily sell on events. Yeah. And the other is, uh, you know, the the eventual product uh, that would include art from the first game, so to speak. Like, this is the ideal situation. Mm. Uh, Would be, um, like, a a board game, maybe something in the vein of of Arkham Horror or something. But it also depends on, on... you know the game dev that I encounter. I'm open to all possibilities. Some mm-hmm. people have suggested, can you like make a, a role playing module for an existing system, which I'm also uh, open to. Oh, there, um, there are the, definitely yeah, a the, lot the,
0: of different modules that you could that you could choose from too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet so uh yeah it, it it really depends on who i come across and then you know who's crazy enough to to, to pick up the idea mm-hmm. so yeah all right well
0: I, I i thank you for coming on here bantar and and everyone check out radio retro future i was also on on his podcast as well so you can go check that out and yes. and there uh there are a there's a huge catalog of of information if you if you really like the storytelling that that i do and like the, the audiobook style podcast you'll really like what what Bonzar is making over on his youtube channel he has a, a bunch of he actually has voice actors uh, other than just myself like he actually has vo- voice actors and and the the sound effects really make it feel like you're you're listening to the interviews going on inside his world it it's it's really it's really great stuff that you're making
1: Let, let's do one together sometime oh yes
0: i i, I would I would totally like we, we could like jump onto each other's pod, like podcasts and and, and audiobooks oh, yeah, and stuff sure, yeah. that, that that would be fun um,
1: which which short story because you you read a couple of the short stories which uh, short story would you recommend to uh, the listeners
0: uh, I actually really like the 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 b uh, the b12 the the, the p12 one
1: with with the oh yeah the 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 white zeppelin yeah yeah, we already have a book of that one yeah yeah that which i'm also really proud of
0: that that one's really good and and i i really i forget which which, 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 which one i I was literally just binge binging them while i was at work because because i'm a delivery driver so i'll i'll just like i just had my phone on and i just started listening to them
1: (laughs) okay yeah, yeah yeah ideal
0: yeah um, but yeah th- thank you thank you for coming on uh, I'll, I'll make sure that all, all the links are in the, des- in the description and yeah yeah. alright awesome I thank you for listening to our conversation if you'd like to hear more guest entries like this one go over and become a free member at our com to not miss another episode like this and if you're interested in becoming a guest yourself you can fill out an entry form at the site's homepage. Until next time, travelers. Be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.